Well done. I have a question for uh, just any of you. When you were first uh, thinking about joining the choir, was it sort of scary? Intimidating? Yeah, never. <laughs> that, yeah, never. Uh, be, be honest. Sometimes when we're asked to do something that's in front of everybody that showcases a musical skill and we're not certain, uh, it can be a little overwhelming. But it's interesting how when you face your fears, you end up walking into something that helps you to grow in ways that maybe you never thought you could ever, ever grow or ever do what you guys do so well. Uh, and what I like about being a believer is it provides a context of safety and hospitality and warmth and love and God's power that allows us to step out of those places where we feel pretty content and into places that may be kind of scary. And I think that if we are made for something better and the role that God has in helping us to move into that by nudging us from time to time uh, through the lives of other people, um, it is often ourselves that get in the way of walking into that thing that is intended to be so much better. It's uh, primarily, I would guess, a case of just being afraid of the unknown. And the important thing for us to take away in this series is that as we take steps into those things that are better, God is alongside us all the way. And God has provided a church uh, that, call, that, that, that is made up of a family that is called to come alongside other people and say, we're here to help you along the way. And that gets me very excited because um, uh, all of these things that would otherwise make it intimidating are already removed from the equation. And most of the time, it's just us coming to the realization that God has put everything in place for us to become something great uh, as he's made us in his image and in his likeness. And I wonder in the course of this series if God has nudged you into something better or uh, created a, a pathway for you to begin to walk into. And maybe if you've seen the pathway or maybe God's nudged you and you're still not budging, Perhaps God is saying to us, maybe you need to stop and remember who you are and why I've called you and what power is at work. And the Apostle Paul loved to ruminate on those realities as he encouraged believers to walk uh, by faith into those new realities as, they under, as he would help them understand what it meant to be a child of God and to live uh, in the wake of the resurrection. And as we, um, as we come to this place in our message series, uh, he's writing to a church in Ephesus, which is about 250,000 people. And it's made up of the whole cross-section of, of uh, very powerful and wealthy people, uh, very talented and gifted uh, artists and musicians, and everything in between. And as um, Paul is writing this letter, he says, despite everything that is great about this wonderful city, God has made the people, uh, made for the people in it uh, something even better. 
And as he writes a letter to Timothy, who is the pastor over this church, uh, or a series of churches in Ephesus, uh, he wants to just showcase uh, the realities that, that Timothy is to lead them in. So here's what he wrote to the church at Ephesus, uh, starting with, um, uh, I believe, uh, around verses 15 and following. He said, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And right now, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation as you come to know him so that with eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know these things. You may know what the hope is to which you have been called, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and those are ours, and you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. And then he goes on to just provide um, the, the, the substance behind that great greatness by referencing something that we need to take note of. And that is according to the working of his great power. And what is that power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised, uh, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there is a power that is at work, that has been at work, that has been rippling through space and time into this very room that started at one small location uh, in, uh, in, 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 in the country of what is known as Palestine right now, but at the time known as Israel. And that location was a tomb that was emptied of uh, the, 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 the mortal body of the very Son of God himself, when the Father came and said, I am now in the strength and the power that only I can, I can offer to this moment, raising you from that tomb into immortality. And something happened. A switch went off, and it began to just ripple and move. I, mean, I was asking my, my wife yesterday, um, I said, you know, if you had heard the gospel for the first time, or you were walking around the countryside that Jesus was walking around in at the same time, and you were hearing stories about Jesus, would you honestly have said, oh, I believe that? Or would you have been a little bit skeptical and said, yeah, you always hear all kinds of stuff all the time. I don't know if that's true or not. And I'm, I'm guessing, though history doesn't record it, that a lot of people said, I'm curious, I'm interested, but I've got other things to attend to right now. Until that day when he walked into your town and he began to showcase the presence of God through his life. And then it became undeniable. But I have to wonder if sometimes because the way we are and the way we accept things and the way that sometimes we're resistant to grow or to assimilate new ideas into our mindset. I wonder if a lot of people said, yeah, I'm not sure about that Jesus. And I'm actually, knowing human nature the way I do, I, I wonder if people weren't thinking um, uh, 20 years later, I never thought, that those things that we saw and that we heard, I never thought it would come to the place 
where it would begin to just spread out into the Roman Empire. And the amazing fact is this power is so effectively at work and has been for so long that um, uh, I think at times we just take these things for granted. So as we reset this, uh, I, I want us to look a little bit at um, the, the situation between Paul and the person who is the pastor over the churches in Ephesus, Timothy. Because Paul understood that... Um, uh, it would take a lot of bravery for Timothy to pull off what needed to happen. To share the gospel, to confront people that were opposing the church, to uh, be able to handle the cynicism that some people had about the good news, and all the things that are just associated with being a pastor. And Paul had things that I think he cataloged that reminded him that it's not easy Matter of fact, it takes a lot of courage to, to not only change yourself, but to change things in the lives of other people. He actually described it in uh, the things that he would boast about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, but whatever anyone dares to boast of, I'm speaking of as a fool. I also dare to boast of, of this, and that is I'm a Hebrew? Sure. Am I an offspring of Abraham? Sure. Um, servant of Christ? I'm even a better one. But the thing that I really want to share with you is what I had to face in the process of living out this new life that I'm called to live. And he said this, I want to boast in imprisonments, in beatings, in near-death experiences, in five times receiving at the hands of the Jew uh, the 40 lashes less one, Three times beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. <clears throat> and adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers at sea. Dangers from false brothers. In toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst. Often without food. In cold and exposure. And apart from all other things. There is the daily pressure on me. Of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak. Who is made to fall and I am not indignant. If I must boast. And I will boast in the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. And he just summarizes everything that he has had to deal with that I'm guessing if you were told at some point you were going to receive 40 lashes minus one, you were going uh, to be in a shipwreck, you were going to have to face imprisonment when you walked into a city and just started telling people about Jesus. I mean, if I knew that that was the job description... For this job, I got to be honest with you, I might have said, I think I'll probably pass on that one because I certainly don't have the courage to face that kind of thing. And, and, and it would really cause me to wonder, is the cause that I'm called to live for worthy of that kind of abuse that I may have to go through in order to make sure that the gospel gets out? Now, why did Paul tell us these things? I think he wanted to remind us that chances are 
We're never going to have to go through anything like that. However, there are things in life that we will have to face that will require of us to have courage, to be brave. And Paul says, I I want you to just understand that it isn't going to be easy, but there is a way. And if you look at each of the people in this room, God has made us in his image and his likeness. But there are unique qualities that we have that are the, the strengths uh, that, that he has wired into us, the capabilities, the things that he knows that we are more than able to do, but perhaps we're fearful to do so. And he was writing a letter to his little protege, Timothy, and he was trying to explain to him because a messenger had come and, and he had asked uh, the messenger, how are things going in Ephesus? And the messenger said, you know, Timothy has got a real desire to serve the Lord. But he's timid. And he's sort of shutting down because he's, he's become fearful. He's become fearful of people who are uh, opposing uh, the work that he's doing. He's become fearful of people that are criticizing um, the way that he's establishing the church. He's become fearful of those people outside of the church who are piling on Christians for being different than everybody else. And he's beginning to lose heart. And we have two letters that were written specifically by Paul to Timothy to try to encourage him and to give him a sense of renewed vision for what he's called to do. And sometimes we need to have that encouragement ourselves. And I want to just explore the backdrop of this wonderful good news about the power of Christ working in our lives through faith as um, it's been described to the church that Timothy is working on. And what's what's the situation with Timothy? Timothy, at the end of the day, is being encouraged to be brave because the people who are the bravest are those who trust their gifts. And this really was the issue. Paul had looked at Timothy and he had said, you know, I've done done a lot of things in my day and God is calling you to do a lot of things in your life. And you need to be brave. You need to have courage. You need to walk into those things that are opportunities that are in front of you that you are unwilling to walk into because you're just, you're just scared. So here's what he writes in, 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 in his first letter. He said that um, uh, I want you to decide to lean into the gifts that you have been given. And for us, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe we're not fully aware of what it is that God's given us in terms of our abilities and our strengths. But perhaps we know all too well that we're capable of doing things and we're just not doing it. Paul told Timothy, do not neglect this gift. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders 
laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And here's what I think happened. There was a point when Timothy felt strongly called to proclaim the word. And the elders gathered around him. And it's just like they set him in a chair. And they said, Timothy, we've been looking at your life. And this is what we see coming out of your life. We see a young man who has a very strong faith. Probably has the gift of faith. The gift of being able to see that God can do the impossible. We see that in you, Timothy. And maybe the elders, as they were speaking to him, said, you know what else we see? We see a young man who is able to communicate and communicate well. And the elders would describe that and say, this is a gifting that God has given you. And you know what else we see in you, Timothy, as they're laying hands on him and they're praying for him? We see a young man who can do a lot of wonderful things because so many people can have their lives touched by the ability that you have to listen, to hear their story, And then to direct their story into God's story. You have the gift of evangelism. And I'm sure there are other gifts that he had that maybe they spoke spoke of. And how did they know that these gifts were there? Probably two things. There was probably just a pattern. That when people saw Timothy engaging life, they saw these characteristics begin to emerge. And one person would say, I'm seeing this in Timothy. What are you seeing? And the other person saying, yeah, I see that in him as well. And you know the interesting thing? It's not just Timothy that these things happen. But I suspect in each of your life, somebody says, you know so-and-so is really pretty good at this. They just seem to have a strength here. And it could be you have a, an ability to um, uh, just offer hospitality. It could be that you have the ability to do things in a mechanical way that other people can't do. Maybe um, you're one of those people who is around a lot of creative people and you're not exactly a person who would, you would say, people would call me creative, but I have this ability. I can be around creative people and I can take this idea and that idea and this idea and I can sort of bring them together this way and this way and organize them in such a way that, bam, there it is, all laid out for you. That person may have the gift of administration. They can just see how to practically pull these things that other people are pie in the sky and make it a reality. And even in this situation where I, where I work at, um, I would be this person up here, and there are a few people on, on staff who have this wonderful ability of just pulling it together and being great administrators. And I could just go on and on. And if you have had people speak into your life and say, I see this in you, and maybe, maybe like Timothy, you've you sort of neglected it. You're like, I know that, but I don't have the confidence to... To walk into that. I'm not sure. I mean other people do that well. But I'm not sure that's me. And maybe. Maybe you need to show a little courage. And walk into that thing. That people are saying. It's right there in your life. And what I, what I love about. Timothy. As you read the narrative. Of Paul's 
interchange with him is it's just a very transparent uh, biography of a struggling young Christian leader. And for a person like myself, uh, those books are just supremely invaluable. And Paul just says, don't neglect your gift. Are you neglecting the gift that people see in you? And are you showing the courage that's necessary to do what you need to do with it for the people around you that could benefit from it? As I mentioned with these guys back here, how blessed we are that you stepped across the threshold and said, not going to be intimidated by Attila. Attila is very intimidating for sure, if you get to know him. He's a, he's a taskmaster, no question about it. Uh, I, I've, never seen, I've never even seen Attila angry, honestly. Maybe you guys have, but I, I never have. Uh, he's a wonderful human being that uh, is here to encourage in this same spirit. But here's the, thing, here's the other thing that, uh, that needs to happen, and that is um, as you're looking at Paul's interchange with Timothy, another thing emerges, and that is uh, people who, are, who have courage, who are brave, who walk into these things, define how they will use their gifts. Uh, they, they look at the life that they've been given, the circumstances that they're in, and they say, I don't want to neglect my gift, so I'm going to use it to the best of my ability wherever I'm at. And maybe if you processed it a little bit, you come to realize, yeah, this is my strength. Now, when I was studying as a young pastor in Bible college, I was also going home every weekend and watching football. And I, you know, I, I don't really watch a lot anymore, but I was addicted to watching the Chicago Bears play in the mid-80s. Anybody remember that? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. There was one very colorful character that I paid a lot of attention to. And uh, this is his picture. I'll just show it to you real quickly. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Jim McMahon. How can you not know Jim McMahon? Uh, this guy knew his gifts, and he walked into his gifts. And, and I could give you a list of all of the things that he did in college. Uh, there was a game that, 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 that he was playing when he was with uh, Brigham Young, and uh, they were 45 to 21, I think, with four minutes left, and people were walking out of the stadium. And he said to the people around him, we're not done yet. And sure enough, in that four minutes, he drove that team to score enough points that at the end of the game, they're the ones who walked out of there, the victors. And the thing that I really liked about Jim McMahon was how he was so focused in playing the game that he was called to play with, uh, with heart and soul. And he would play it not in the way that uh, you know, somebody said, all right, now if you're going to play football as a quarterback, you play this way. And he's like, I can't play that way. I can only play the way that I've been made. And so here's another picture just showing you how he played. Like if he needed to go uh, across the line, he would just dive head first. If he was facing opponents, he would go head first instead of feet first. Now he paid for it later on in life, but the thing that I really admired about him as a, as a quarterback, as a person who was responsible for leading a team. The thing that I liked about him was the fact that he had in his own mind a calling 
to live out the gifting that the Lord had given him. And he just stayed true to that, to who he was. And, you know, love him or hate him, you got to admire the fact that he just lived fully to who he was as he was created. And there's something that happens when we say, I'm no longer going to live in the way that everybody else tells me I should live. I'm going to choose to live in the way that God's made me to live. And that is a very, very brave choice. Defining how you will use the gifts that you have been given. And the Apostle Paul said, Believe it or not, Timothy, you can do it. And there is an iconic verse in Paul's writings to Timothy that probably everyone has heard at least 20 times, if not 100. And it's certainly been prayed by me a number of times that I, I can't even count. And it goes like this. It says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but rather a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And that word of spirit of timidity means, timidity literally means a running away from. It just means you see something and you're fearful and you run away. And that's what Timothy was doing. He was kind of running away. And, and Paul was saying, stop and live into the potential that God has wired into you as you're made in his image and likeness. Stop and remember that the elders laid hands on you and they called out this gifting that you are neglecting. And if you cannot connect these dots then here's how you live it out. And I want to show you a picture real quick. And it's, um, it's a triangle. And this is how I think it works. God has given us a spirit of power. And if you remember from Ephesians, this power that we're talking about is the power of the resurrection. It is the power of the empty tomb that is just at work in us now. As, 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 as we just um, uh, referred to in that opening chapter. And that power is, um, you know, you guys have all heard the story about Alfred Nobel, um, who, uh, who was the, uh, the, the, the originator of the Peace Prize, and what he actually did occupationally prior to uh, the inception of that whole emphasis on peace. It was the ability to blow things up through dynamite. And whenever he invented dynamite, and he made tons of money off of it, he, do you know why he, you know why he called it dynamite? It, um, it, it comes from the Greek word dunamis. And uh, the word actually means, it means, it, um, it means to power it. To power it. And um, it's just power it. And it had this connotation that goes all the way back into uh, that wonderful Greek word dunamis. And essentially that power is at work in us if we trust it by faith that God is enabling that power, which I do, by the way. And I know that within this triangle, that's triad of 
three characteristics that I can be brave. That I can do what I'm called to do. And it not only has the power of God at work in it, but it actually has God himself at work in it, if you want to say that, because John says if there's any description of God, God is love. And love is just God's way of showing us the greatness of his favor and blessing and desire to connect with us and to know his joy and his peace and just the richness of who he is. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, you got this spirit over here that wants to run away and then you got this spirit over here that says, I'm here to empower you in a spirit of love. And for me, that's awesome to hear. I like the idea of power in that way and love in that way. It's just, it's just beautiful. Uh, then there's that word at the top. Self-discipline. Man, that's the tough one. But it basically just means this. Self-discipline means to have a stable mind, a stable approach, uh, a way of approaching life that is in alignment with those characteristics that you have been given. You can call it self-discipline, but it basically says you're to focus on being who you are in your strengths, in your giftings. And that's discipline. Now I don't know about you, but um, I tend to want to do a lot of things that are outside of the range of my spiritual gifts. Um, there, there are times when I have to be very linear. I have to actually use an Excel spreadsheet. And if you know me well enough, you know how hard that is. Uh, I would rather use a color palette in Adobe Illustrator or um, uh, Photoshop and do something creative but to have to do something line by line by line, I'm honestly not that great at that. And if I have to do something that um, is, is outside of the range of my capabilities, like in my case, no offense to the choir till I sing, I'm way outside the boundaries of my spiritual gifts. And I think what God is saying to me in my case, Leonard, I see this ability. You have the gift of leadership. You can understand where things need to go. And you can help bring people along towards that end. I think God's given me the ability of, um, uh, of not only that, but of, of, of just faith. I mean, I honestly believe that if God calls me to do something, he's going to provide for it. But I, I had no doubt when we did our capital improvement campaign that somehow God was going to make it happen. And sure enough, he made it happen. I mean, these things, I don't, I don't fret or worry about those things because God has just always been good. And he's always provided never too much, never not enough, but always the right amount. And I, I, I think that's a gift. And People have said that's a gift. And I know other people have that gift. And I think sometimes the one that I neglect the most is probably evangelism. Because I love, I am fascinated by listening to people's stories. 
And I'm fascinated in listening to them, having earned the right to speak into their lives, how that story can somehow intersect God's story. And I know that as a result of that, I was able to baptize my father, a niece who's like a little sister, and uh, countless other people over the years. But sometimes I think I neglect the gift because I'm maybe trying to do gifts that aren't there. So you have to define how you're going to use those gifts. And when you do, you're in that sweet spot. And maybe for yourselves, it might be an exercise to say, what is it that God has given me that I sense that is beneficial for other people around me? What is it that other people see when they see me? And just put that in that frame of that triad. And then every day you wake up and you say, God, help me to live not in fear, but in the power and the love and the self-discipline that energizes who it is that I'm called to be in this day. Because we're all made for something better, and I think this is honestly the place where we begin. And the last thing that I want to say is this. How do we do it? We declare that when the pressure rises... We'll stand in our gifts instead of running. I want to show you something that I think is, is really just very beautiful. And this happened at an um, at a, at a international um, musical flute competition. And there was a young Japanese performer named Yuki Oda. And this is what her performance looked like. She's just under the microscope on an international stage. And she's playing beautifully. you have done had a butterfly landed on your head and you were you've been training for your whole life for that moment it would be pretty easy to lose your cool wouldn't it and yet time and time again when people focus on what it is that God has called them to do that other stuff just doesn't get in the way because you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing and not letting anything distract you in any way that keeps you from shining forth in the way that God has made you for something better. So in this part of the message series, I don't know what it is that you're afraid of. And I don't know what it is that's causing you to neglect that gifting that you all have. And I don't know what it is that God has in mind for you when you just embrace the power and the love and the self-control that is His to offer for us to go to work. And I don't know what will happen. Just imagine what would happen if we trusted God to move us into that place and enable us with those strengths 
to do exceedingly beyond what we could ask or even imagine. And maybe the breakdown just starts with faith. The ability to trust that these unseen realities, although unseen, are nonetheless extremely real and made for us.